Good afternoon and welcome back to the Conservatarian Exchange on the Liberty Block, hosted today by four out of our five regulars, Good with afternoon. NP otherwise engaged. We are honored to have with us the host of the Jeffersonian Tradition podcast, whose show our fearless leader and founder of the Liberty Block, Elliot, has been a guest of, as have I. We are streaming live and the show will be available as a podcast shortly after its conclusion, wherever you find your favorite podcasts, with videos available on the Liberty Blocks, Rumble, Odyssey, and elsewhere. As always, we proudly share with you diverse opinions on current events and issues from some of the best and brightest, whose worldviews range from more conservative to very libertarian. Good afternoon, Ed, Gina, Mike, and Mr. Jeffersonian, and the order in which I listed you plays into the thing I really want to talk about first, if that's okay. Okay, welcome everybody. Good to see everyone. Hey guys. Okay, we rarely share clips, but a Jewish expression came to mind, which sounds a little bit better in Jewish, but I don't speak Jewish, which basically says, if something hurts, you scream, and there's nothing you could do about it. So I'm sure pretty much everybody's heard this clip, but I got to play it. And I got to see your faces when I play it, and I got to hear your reactions. Thank you. Uh, can you provide a definition for the word woman? Can I provide a definition? Uh -huh. no. Yeah. I can't. You can't? Not in okay. this context. So I'm not a biologist. The, of the word woman is so unclear and controversial that you can't give me a definition. Senator, in my work as a judge, what I do is I address disputes. If there's a dispute about a definition, people make arguments and I look at the right. law and I decide. Well, so I'm not. The fact that you can't give me a straight answer about something as fundamental as what a woman is underscores the dangers of the kind of progressive education that we are hearing about. I assume everybody in America has heard that clip already? Yes, 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 right. yes. Marsha Blackburn and Katonji. Gina, yes. do you want to give your uh, professional, personal opinion on what a woman is? I do. Well, law? I mean, it's, it's pretty simple. If you don't have to worry that you were ever pregnant, if you don't have to worry about bleeding through a pad or any of that stuff, you're not a flipping woman. Like, this is just absolutely insane. Insane, insane. Um, yeah, if you got to worry about not wearing white after Labor Day or, you know, having an accident. Yeah, you're not a flipping woman. Like, this is just insane. And, uh, yeah, good for Marsha Blackburn. Like, good for her. Ed? Just out, of, just out of curiosity, Gina, what does the word flipping mean? You know what it means. I don't say that word. Get out of here. <laughs> I just had to, to tease you a little bit. I, I know bit. you did. I, I um. I heard Marsha Blackburn ask that, and I heard her answer there or her follow-up. Uh, I would have preferred, instead of saying this is the danger of progressive education, I would have preferred if she had said, if you don't know what a woman is, you are not qualified to sit on the Supreme Court and you have Amen. lost. Amen. <laughs> that's job. what she could have said. And that's what every Republican should say to her. Everyone who questions her should ask that question. And if she can't answer it or won't answer it, they should just say, you have one last chance for me to even consider voting for you. And if you can't answer this, then you're going to get a no from me. That's okay. what they should do. 
So what's kind of sad, I mean, first of all, since Biden picked her because she was a woman, that makes trouble for that. But what's sad is we can't name any Democrat that may give a hoot about what she said, right? Of course not. Well, Joe Manchin. Joe Manchin has been kind of a voice of reason in the Democratic camp, so maybe some hope there. Has he said anything about which way he's going? Not that I've read or heard. Are they, aren't they still short a senator? I've heard that, you know, Murkowski no. and, and her ilk will probably vote Republican. But just the fact is, so let's say it's 49 Democrat senators. Are they all that insane? I mean, we have just gone so far off the deep end. Well, did you hear Maisie Hirono, for example? Like she called out that it is 100 um, percent affirmative action that is getting her into this place. But she used different words to say that it is affirmative action, but not affirmative action that they're using affirmative action. Like, it, it was this roundabout thing. Like, they're just crazy. Well, you think you it got all in the passage of time? That, oh, that's gosh. 30 seconds. Yes, the passage of time is very important when it comes to the passage of time. Exactly. Yeah, Jen Psaki. Oh, God. what These well, people the are leading the free world. Just, that's the whole point of this exercise. Words don't mean what they want, what they actually mean. Well, no, because they can yeah. just tell Webster to change them within 15 minutes of making a statement like they've done before. And boom, your dictionary has changed. Words have their own identity, too. They can be anything that they want at any given time. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to channel Ed Maslish for a second. I think he's taught me that that's done on purpose to just like confuse us and prove to us that we're dumb or something. You can it's say more that. than that. It's not just to confuse us. It's not to prove us that we're dumb. It's designed to humiliate us and to make us do things that we know are not true. It's sort of a play on Voltaire's those who can those who believe in absurdities can will commit atrocities. And once they get us believing what we what our eyes don't tell us is not true, they, they can get us to do whatever they, they want us to do. I mean, if we can't say no to this, why, why are we going to say no to you know, putting people in concentration camps? We can't. I, I don't know that they're winning this battle per se, though. You know, I mean, first of all, I give credit to DeSantis for what he's he's doing, what he did with the, the female swimmer, uh, acknowledging her as the, the winner and, and not the uh, whatever that person's name is, Leah. <laughs> no. William, his, his I, I name, his I, I name just, is William. I just don't think that most people are buying into this nonsense and they realize that it is just utterly insane what's going on. You know, when they when they see somebody who is so clearly a man who's basically a foot and a half taller than the other swimmer that he's racing against and beating them by, you know, uh, ridiculous times. I don't think anybody takes that seriously. So you saw that one of the networks supposedly uh, photoshopped him a little bit to look a little bit more female, which, again, spins my head. So yeah, no, matter what, no matter how much they Photoshop him, no matter what, he's one of the ugliest females I've ever seen. So that's not going to change. Oh, my God. That's so uh, beauteist or whatever they call it. I, I mean, you quoted that thing. People who believe absurdities will commit atrocities. Yep. Does that really follow? I think so. Is that historical, empirical, or does it is there like a logical? Well. What's gonna? What makes you say no to doing something? It's your it's your own eyes, your own sense of moral, uh, you know, your own moral evaluation, your own independent judgment. 
And if they can force, if they can make you suspend that and defer to them on things that are as obvious as two plus two equals four, I mean, Orwell, you know, Orwell's two plus two equals, you know, if the party says two plus two is five, then it's five. That was his point there too. Was and it, wasn't the, the whole concept of a master race and absurdity? Uh, that's a different discussion, I think. First of all, that, that was not about race. So please apologize, Mike. So you're saying it's because we're, we're confused about our basic beliefs and therefore we can be led anywhere. Well, sure. I mean, how do you how do you deal with evil? You have to confront it with moral certainty. And if they undercut your moral certainty, then they can get away with pretty much anything. Well, and Rabbi Axman, I would actually say we have empirical evidence of this just over the last two years. You see people believe in absurdities about a virus that had a less than 2% mortality rate and roughly 50% of the population was demonizing the other 50% for not wanting to get an experimental jab. They were talking about make these people do this to travel between the states, make these people do this to get on a plane. Um, so I think Edge Point carries a lot of weight there, and we've seen it very recently kind of play itself out with that. There were even a few of the fringe people on that side saying, put these people in concentration camps, basically quarantine them against their will because they refuse to get a vaccine that they don't know the implications of. Well, even with that, so the CDC is rearranging their numbers and people are starting to wake up again. But look at, so there's a school in Seattle, it's a high school, for example, that these kids are now, pro, I can't remember the name of the school, but the kids are protesting because they want to bring masks back. Like that's how, how crazy they've gone and they have been brainwashed. Like these kids are protesting to wear the mask that has been said by, by their science gods that they don't flipping work. That they don't work. And these kids are doing, I mean, they've just, God help us 20 years from now. Okay, yeah. Everybody was convinced by that, I assume. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have celebrating, one sec, we're celebrating the mayor because as of April 4th, four-year-old kids in under won't need to wear masks and we're supposed to celebrate this or something. Where, is that in New York there? The city. Woohoo. Go ahead. What's there to say about it? I mean, the science is clear. I mean, and forgetting about the science, I mean, that's, you know, my objection the whole time is even if the science were in favor of masks, we don't live in a dictatorship of scientists. We still have the freedom to choose and it's our bodies. And if we want to take the chance of contracting a contagious disease, that's our business. And it's not the government's business to tell us we can't. And if, you know, if we want to live a, a dangerous lifestyle, whether it's riding motorcycles or, or smoking or drinking or a whole host of other things, it's not for the government to tell us that we can't do it. I mean, at most, the government can give us information about it. But given the way that they've been lying about things, I'm not even comfortable with them giving us information about things. Okay, Ed, what is your opinion about this thing, should we know her LSATs? Is that relevant, irrelevant? Is it just posturing? It's relevant when you look at the proctol exam, the proctology exam they gave to Brett Kavanaugh. I mean, if Brett Kavanaugh's entire life had to be dissected, you know, literally day by day, hour by hour, going back to high school and whether he 
you know, how he was as a, as a horny frat boy, then darn right, we have a right to know what her LSAT scores were. In the grand scheme of things, if we were living in, in my kind of world, no, it wouldn't matter. I mean, you, how you do on your, pers- on your LSATs is, is relevant to whether you get into law school. It doesn't tell you what kind of lawyer you've become, but that's the rules of the game that they've set. And they need to live by the same rules that they've imposed on us. And we need, we need to make them live up to the same rules that they've imposed on us. Okay. So in, in a perfect world, it's not relevant as a predictor to how good she is as a judge. I would say there's probably correlation, but I mean, it's not a one-to-one correlation. I mean, is it a completely random thing? Like if she got a perfect score on the LSAT, is it a, a flip of a coin 50-50 that she's a good judge versus a bad judge? No, I would say that it's more likely than not that she's a, a decent judge. But it's not a, a one-to-one correlation either. I mean, it's just a, it's one more piece of evidence. And, you know, again, I, I, to me, Brett Kavanaugh sets the, sets the standard. If they could do to Brett Kavanaugh what they did, we can ask her about every last thing about her. I mean. And the, the problem is whether isn't whether she's intelligent or not. It's whether she has an agenda. <laughs> and for, I disagree, Mike. For, I don't think she's intelligent. Well, Okay, but you know what I'm getting she's at. She's well it's, it's spoken about, and she's articulated. Her, it's about her philosophy, and, and, you know, and her probable agenda when she gets on the court, like all the other leftists that reach the court. It, they're not going to rule based on, on uh, strictly interpreting the Constitution and the laws. They're going to they're gonna push for a left-wing agenda. Well, yeah, I mean, she admitted they, that, you know, did you see the exchange? Policy preferences. Did you see the exchange she had with Josh Hawley about the, the pornographer where the the, uh, the, the child pornographer uh, was convicted and the sentencing guidelines said 94 to 120 months? Yeah. And the, and the prosecutor recommended 24 and then she gave three. And then her reason was, well, I think that these these standards don't accurately reflect reality and don't reflect you know what society really values at this point. I mean. Paulie should have turned around and said, that's not a judge's job. You're totally disqualified if that's what you think. You don't get to overrule Congress. Even if Congress makes a bad law, your job is to say, this is what the law is. I recommend Congress revisit it, but it's not my job to overrule them. Right. Period. And, but he couldn't say that. I don't know why. Because they stopped short of saying what needs to be said. You know, they, they're afraid. They, yeah. No, the Republican no Party is afraid and the Republican Party is constantly in the way of of fighting what the Democrats are doing. That's, I'm gonna, that's the problem. I'm going to tell you, I have been impressed. So I don't always care for Lindsey Graham, but he has been absolutely wonderful. Like I've had C-SPAN on going in the background, listening to this nonstop um, since they started questioning her. And he has been on her butt. And yes, the Republicans, you know, they're not degrading to her as an individual because they still have some type of class, but they are asking her hard, not all of them, um, but he's been asking her hard questions and really putting her on the spot and showing her character when she fails to answer a lot of stuff. Um, Yes, Tiana, Lindsay rocked, especially today. He kicked butt. He used a word I wouldn't have even used. Uh, He was passionate. He was lit up today for sure. You know, if Lindsay, I didn't hear what Lindsay said today, but I've heard Lindsay do some good things. And and all that tells me is that all the bad things he does are done on purpose. Right. And it it doesn't exonerate. It actually 
makes all the bad things he does even worse than, than I already thought they were. I mean, he, he knows a uh, good political theorist. I mean, I think he, he sounded off during the Kavanaugh hearings too. And I, I remember everybody jumping up and applauding him as well. So he knows, well, how, he to play, brought, he knows how to play the game. Sometimes. Well, and that was something he brought up today and he was asking her and uh, was if they started treating you like that case, what would you do? What would you think? And again, there was no answer to that. And that was towards the end of his time. But yeah, I, I encourage you guys to go back and watch it. He, he was very good today. Very good. Is anybody following this thing going on with Greitens in Missouri? With what? Greitens, Eric Greitens. Nope. I didn't know his wife made some allegations against him about abuse. So, you know, he apparently, he, he was kicked out of office or didn't run again as governor or something because of similar things. He was on Bannon the other day saying that he has like rock solid proof that McConnell is behind this and that this is typical of McConnell crushing anybody who's not a rhino. Now, I haven't heard anything since then, but it, it gets me upset because we've said many times before, McConnell does know how to crush people, but he only crushes people on our side. Yeah, but why, why, why make that statement? Why not just lay the evidence out there? I mean, what the hell is, is, is wrong with these people? If you have the evidence, lay it out there. What are you afraid of? So I don't know. He may have laid it out today. I didn't listen to Bannon today. He said he was going to be laying it all out this morning. I have no idea. But what's sad is that McConnell is super wuss when it comes to Democrats, except for maybe judges. But he knows exactly how to lower the boom on anybody who's too conservative for him. Yeah, I mean, we already know that. I mean, to me, if you're going to make a statement that I have rock solid proof, don't tell me of rock solid proof. Just show it to me. Don't talk. Do. I mean, that's the problem in the Republican Party. They know how to talk a good game six months before an election. But then the election comes, they get elected and they do nothing. Wait, you, mean, you don't think you don't think you're going to investigate Hunter Biden when they take over? Who's I've heard today they already are, that they're going to be an indictment regarding the laptop. No, but now. I mean, Congress, McCarthy's out there. Oh, we're going to investigate this. We're going to investigate that. I don't believe a word of it. McCarthy is a wuss. As long as McCarthy is the leader He's of the He's got Republic. good hair, though. Beautiful. <laughs> um, Gina, that's a no-no yeah. on the show. I, I know. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> and um, Bill Barr, I, I get a kick out of him, so to speak. Coming out like, this week, he's all upset that Joe Biden lied to us about the laptop. Yeah, I'd like to get a good kick into him, piece of garbage. Thank you for channeling me, Ed. I didn't want to go there. How dare he? Wasn't he attorney general who had the laptop since 2019? Yep. Well, the FBI did, but yep. Yeah, well, he's... I, I, how do people have such chutzpah to do this? <laughs> yeah. And I don't know if the Hunter Biden story is going to get to any kind of indictment. I have no idea. I'm sure they'll find a way to cover for Joe Biden, no matter what, because just that's the way no. we... If, but the way we roll is, it's clear to me that, they're, that they've already set it up. They, they've begun the process of replacing Biden and pushing him out. I, I think the odds of him running in 24 are as close to zero as you can get. I mean, and if, he's never going to run. What? He's never going to run. He's, he's not running. Well, and, if, and so far as he has any second thoughts and decides, well, I'm not going to get pushed out, you know, They'll they'll stick Hillary Clinton. Yeah, the, the the problem that they have is they can't get rid of Kamala because 
Uh, she's a, a woman, I think. She, is that what it's called, the woman? No, but they don't she's need a black, to be a, a black woman. No, they, no keep, because, they keep, no, no, Mike. Well, who's, who's the replacement? Mike, Mike, what they're doing is they're putting her in one situation after another where she makes a complete fool of herself. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. If, if they're they, discrediting if they, her, that's all okay, on purpose, if they, too. If they punt her to the sidelines, then they risk losing black votes. There are plenty of black Democrats that they can find to replace her. So you think they're going to push her out that she can't run in 2024 either? I think think they're going to push Biden out and she'll run in the primary and get her butt kicked like she got her butt kicked last time. I don't think think Democrats like her. I think they're going to stake their wagon to Michelle Obama. I, I don't know if it'll be 2024 or 2028, but I think she's going to be the next big star in the Democrat Party, maybe so. with some combination of Stacey Abrams. I don't, I don't think Michelle Obama wants any part of it, honestly. I think she's content. That's with what she says, but that's what Barack violence. said, too, until he ran. Mm, I mean, they, they've, they've got wealth now. They've got a, a great easy life let's face it so I, I don't know why she needs to put herself out there probably yeah, a better, mike, probably, mike i agree with a, you she's probably got a better chance of hillary trying to make a comeback i agree with you mike except for they do dangle her name here and there and they say obama wants power i also see it obama's lazy and why would he want want the job but on the other hand you know hillary was gonna put her head her thing back in the ring and then she says no i don't, I don't know i still i'll stick stick with the same person that I've, I've thought all along would, would, would replace them. And that's the, the guy who prosecuted Derek Chauvin in, in Minnesota, Keith Ellison. Oh, gosh. I think he's, he's the Democrat that's going to rise up. He's, a, he's an Obama friend. He checks every box that they have, except that he's a man. I'm going, but, he, huh? I'm going with Susan Rice. They could be a ticket. Oh, my God. <laughs> You really think Ellison would have a prayer that they'd even think he'd have a prayer? Who thought Obama with his name would have a prayer? Obama didn't have as many negatives, I don't think, as Ellison. Obama yeah, was yeah. and articulate and handsome and all that other jazz. and Charismatic. Yeah, and all that other stuff. Ellison's got negatives. I don't know. Yeah, I don't see it. I mean, I agree Biden's doomed, but... Hey, there's always Cory Booker. <laughs> what do they call him mr potato head spartacus spartacus <laughs> well i don't know he's having a nervous breakdown from being so excited about kbj yeah. right mm-hmm. <laughs> he was slobbering all over her yeah <laughs> yeah all right now, i mean if some people say it doesn't matter because she's replacing a lib i personally disagree with that because she's replacing a lib for the next three decades and i i think it isn't a you know a no big deal thing but you mean jackson yeah. You're talking about the Supreme Court nominee now. Yeah. I mean, it's not a good thing. And, you know, we get a tiny bit of a scare this week with Thomas being sick. I mean, God forbid something happens to him during Biden's presidency and everything's gone. That's how I look at it. Are they um, giving an update on his health? Because I know he was in there for flu-like symptoms and infection. Has there been any more information since then? Not sure. I haven't heard anything, but okay. uh, just to try and assuage Steve a little bit, the court doesn't save us anyhow. Yes, Clarence is the best that we have, and he's not just the best on the court, but one of the best on our side, period. But the court doesn't save us. So 
no, I don't want anything to happen to him. I hope he lives another 30 years and stays on the court the whole time. But he, the court doesn't save us. And the, the sooner we realize that nobody's coming to save us and that we have to save ourselves, the better off we're going to be. Yeah, well, we can go or not go into how we saving ourselves and we saving the country or saving a few states. And that's a, uh, my overarching issue, as you guys know. Maybe I can identify real quick as Superman and just save the world. Just saying. Go for it. Dun, da, da, da. All right. Okay. I will cede my time to whoever has a burning issue because I don't have one that's burning more than any other one. <laughs> burning issue. Well, I've got two that I, that I want to discuss. Um, one is... I don't know if you guys saw, but there are some polls that came out this week that show that people who are unvaccinated are far less likely to support intervention in Russia, Ukraine than people who are vaccinated. And, you know, the first time I saw those polls, I thought, oh, this is almost like a spoof. This doesn't mean anything. But then I thought about it. And I think it actually is, is very relevant because I think that the unvaccinated people are the people who don't trust our government. And the vaccinated people are the ones who do trust the government. And I think that's why there's such a big divide there. And I think it's a, a really interesting, it's an interesting, I don't know, factoid that, that came out this week. Well, I think that ties into what you've been saying for a long time now, that that's the whole purge of the military and the police is to get out the conservatives by calling them unvaccinated. Right. Well, yes, but th I mean, this is a, I don't think this was a military poll. This was a general population. Poll. No, but it's a general, but I'm saying it's a general way of splitting the mice from the men. This vaccination has done an interesting job of showing us who's on which side. And then the poll makes sense. Who yeah. conducted the poll? Um, I one don't recall. One of the mainstream outfits or? I don't know. I didn't read the scientific, you know, I didn't read the, the methodology of the poll. I just. Yeah. saw the news stories about it and thought it was something we were going to discuss today. I thought it was interesting. Well, it, it's interesting in and of itself that they would cut the data that way and present that to the public. That, you, know, you know, polls are usually ways to, to make news, right? It, it, they, they use it for a reason. And to present that, to me, that's, that's just another way of them trying to attack people who are anti-vaxxers, or whatever, and make them seem like loons. How could you? How could you not be? Uh, you know, for doing something against big bad Putin. You know, I again, I have to be skeptical that there was an agenda there that, that they would. You know, well, the reason they're skeptical of doing something against Putin is they don't trust our government. I mean, that's why I'm not in, in favor. No, of I, I, I'm not saying you're wrong about that, but I, I'm trying to say that the, the pollster has probably had an agenda putting it out there, trying to make. People who are un unvaccinated seem like the crazies again, right? Because Maybe, you're not, you're not supporting you're not supporting opposing Putin, right? We're all mm. Russian assets. To me, there there has to be a reason why they would release the data of the poll and and say, here's what vaccinated and un unvaccinated people have to say. Don't you think? Maybe. I mean, I guess it depends on who released the poll. I didn't, you know, that would be, I, I probably should have found that out before I brought the story up, but I don't remember who brought the poll, who did the poll. Right. Right. Well, like simply spoke, simply stated, it's hard to believe they did the poll and released the poll to make unvaccinated look good. So 
Yeah. No. But to me, I think it does. But obviously, it shows, it shows that you know the people who are unvaccinated are. It's it's not just a single issue. It's we think our government is lying to us, and we're not. We don't just blindly support it. Right. And I think that's a good positive thing. Okay, so let me go back a few decades. I know everybody's a little bit younger than I am, but did you feel this untrusting of the government 30 years ago? I didn't feel this untrusting of the government 30 months ago. No. I I felt a certain way, and this was only from me working with DHS, seeing certain things, that were very untruthful um, being put on the news versus like, well, I was standing right there type thing. So I haven't trusted the government probably in the last 12, 15 years, but boy, has it increased like it said, the last 30 months. Holy crap. I mean, the damage to some of our institutions over the, just the past couple of years, it'd be hard not to have lost trust, whether mm-hmm. it's the CDC and all that. COVID. But you see how much they're changing their numbers as of like the last two days. <laughs> now the CDC is putting out stuff saying, well, for 18 to 49 year olds, the vaccine actually didn't work and it didn't protect whatsoever. And now you people that are vaccinated because it came out of Stanford, all y'all that went and got vaccinated are less likely to be protected from the new strains that are coming yes. out. You know, it's like, God, well, they've been hiding all that data for the what a year and a half or more. So now. why are they putting it out now? Is my question. Like right now, what is the point? Is it just to what's it to distract from to take away from something? You know, because now they've dropped from the million number to nine hundred thousand some deaths. Like why now? The, the answer is that they're moving on to the next crisis. That's why. Yeah. And they want to just you know come clean on what's going on with COVID, and the next crisis is right around the corner. Um. Right. You know, and that, that leads into the second story I was going to mention. But before I get to it, Steve, I just, you know, something I've been thinking about just not just in the last couple of minutes during this discussion, but really in the last week and a couple of weeks, you know, you've talked about, you know, whether our government is any better than these really evil governments. And, you know, with the level of lying that's gone on for COVID, for the level of lying that's gone on about Ukraine, um, I mean, I, you know, over the weekend, it was revealed that that uh, Zelensky banned, I think, 11 political parties. Um, it, you know, I, I wrote that article, you know, right when this all started that, you know, Ukraine is being portrayed as this Jeffersonian, budding Jeffersonian democracy, and it's not. Um, the level of lying that's going on and, and defending really evil, bad things and bad people is, is leading me to the belief that you're, you're 100% right, that our government is no better than these really evil totalitarian or dictatorship governments. I mean, you know, they keep throwing, you know, Reagan quotes at us and Thatcher quotes at us and, and all sorts of, you know, uh, Calvin Coolidge quotes and John Adams. I mean, they're trying to play on our heritage and play on what we think that this country is and was, but what, what this current government is doing right now, I don't see, I mean, you know, I hate to sound like a Putin apologist. I said that last week, you know, but um, I don't know that uh, I don't know that we're we're any better than these these, these dictatorships. So I have two comments. Um, am I correct that a defining characteristic of conservative used to mean trusting the government? I mean, I think conservatives are all have always been the law and order type. And so 
you know, from that perspective, I, I think there was some level of trust, right? That our, our government, our country would do the right thing. I mean, that's how I grew up. And I thought that part of what conservative meant is we don't think the government's lying to us all the time. And that's why it's such a wrenching change. I think it depends on the situation. I mean, you know, there's the famous Reagan quote about the nine most dangerous words in the English language are that I'm from the government and I'm here to help you. Uh, but at the same time, uh, you know, conservatives are law and order types. I think it depends. I mean, in some instances, conservatives have never been trusting of government, but right. on, in others, they, they are very trusting. I think not, we, not an activist government anyway, right? Okay, we're not trusting of an activist government, but I don't think we were the ones who would say, you know, Pearl Harbor was really, you know, FDR's fault. And that we were more trusting, at least in foreign policy and war. That's what I think. Yeah, I mean, this goes to the to the point I was about to make earlier about our institutions. It's not just the CDC; it's the military, right? I mean, what talk about conservatives and having faith in an institution? It was our military, right? Now, now we can't even trust that. It's become woke. I mean, you know, I can't so. even trust that General Milley's a man. I mean, come on. So, and Rabbi Axman, I think some of this also depends what branch of conservatism are we using as our point of reference, because you have an unbroken strain of Southern conservatism all the way back to John Taylor of Caroline, John Randolph of Roanoke, up through the old right. They never trusted government. Actually, Nathaniel Macon back in that first founding generation was vehemently against standing armies. Uh, John Randolph of Roanoke actually called a standing army nothing better than a welfare project. So I, I think it also depends what's our point of reference for that. Are we talking about the new right that came along with the James Burnham types? Or are we talking about the old right? All right, this is my problem with Mr. Jeffersonian. With all due respect, I have no idea what he's talking about. Ed, can you help me out here? <laughs> I love it. Well, I mean, you know, it's just like, you know, in the libertarian movement, there are different factions. There have been different strains, strands in the conservative movement. You know, I mean, you have the paleoconservatives, the neoconservatives. There are, you know, it's not just going back to the founding. I mean, even just in the last 50 years, there are different wings of the conservative movement. Um, and some have been more trusting and some are less trusting. The neocons have been very trusting of government. They've been very much for an activist government. I mean, they're former, they, most of them are former Democrats and, you know, they're for a, an activist military. They, you know, they're very trusting of government. Okay, so my assumption that the way I was brought up pro-military, I mean, if I would have said the government was lying in the 60s about what's going on overseas, I would have gotten, shall we say, disciplined in a physical manner. Um, what I hear Mr. Jeffersonian saying is that didn't necessarily um, mark a conservative at another point in our history. That, that's correct, because with John Randolph of Roanoke specifically, he was literally a, he was a congressman uh, during Jefferson's presidential terms and on up into the early or excuse me, late 1820s. But he stood on the Senate floor, or I'm sorry, on the congressional floor and said look, this is nothing better than welfare. They were talking about passing a, a military bill to, to increase the number of peacetime troops. He said, this is nothing better than a welfare program. Now, he was excoriated for that. People hated him after he said that. But there was a small faction of the old Republicans who supported him, Nathaniel Macon, John Taylor of Caroline being two of them. Um, then a little bit later on, you get, I think his name was William Branch Giles. You get a couple of people all throughout American history who really strongly represent that old conservative frame of thought that Previous, prior to that, kind of descended from the English Whig tradition of you don't want to give governmental authority, you know, the power of a military, especially if you combine that with the power of taxation. 
So that's where when you get up into like the 40s and especially the 1950s, when you have the neocons kind of starting to take over the Republican movement, you see a radical, a, a really, really radical shift in Republican thought processes. Uh, James Burnham, he was great. If you ever read his book, The Managerial Revolution, he predicted where we would be economically. But on other things, he was very problematic. He was the father of neoconservatism in some ways. Okay, if I were to put myself down, is my belief system merely a product of being anti-meathead? <laughs> I'm not sure everybody knows who Meathead was. Oh, that's probably better that they don't. But what, what was his name on I all know. family? And in other words, was I raised in a time where in order to oppose Meathead, I had to believe in the government that they weren't lying to me? I don't know. I'm not catching the reference. Meathead, all in the family, the son-in-law, well, the anti-war. Oh, anti oh, okay. oh, Archie's well, son, Archie Bunker. Bunker. Okay. Yeah. Archie Bunker. Okay, Mike, Mike Stivic. Mike Stivic. Whatever. <laughs> what, in other words, am I just a product of that? I, I think that's just a sign of how, how much things have changed, right? You go back 50 years and that whole Woodstock era movement anti-war and anti-being in Vietnam, totally distrusting the man, the government. And uh, now I think there's been a little bit of a role reversal. Well, Some very much so. That's why I'm wondering, was I a product of that time? Because now I'm much less trusting and I sound more like meathead, which is not how I want to sound. My second comment I wanted to make, Ed, when I heard that Ukraine is cracking down on all of its opponents, and my, again, my visceral conservative, you know, red, white, and blue-blooded American reaction is, thank God we would never do that here. And then I quickly remembered two years of Corona fascism and the J6ers and my friends, the uh, New Hampshire Six that were arrested, you know, last March, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm like, wait a minute, we do do that here. And that's also very uh, disturbing. Did you guys see that uh, Belarus gave asylum status to one of the J6ers? I'm sorry, they gave what? They gave one of the January 6th uh, rioters, treasonous, whatever, I don't know, insurrectionists, whatever you want to call them at this point. Um, they granted him asylum because he fled straight oh, over to Belarus. Free? I just thought that was an offer. Okay. No, they've they've given it to him. Wow. That's nuts that people are having to flee the United States. Like, oh my goodness. Well, you know, if you look at what's going on in Russia, you know, they're you know, kicking out Disney, they're kicking out MasterCard, they're kicking out Visa, they're kicking out Facebook. They need to kick out Disney. They're in, so sick. In a few years, it might not be such a bad place to go. <laughs> they're getting rid of all the, the junk food, all of the crap that's rotting everybody's minds. Like they're doing the country a favor. They really are. And that's not what I heard. I heard they're, they're um, emulating McDonald's with their own brand and just stealing all the intellectual property. I don't know. I know there was an issue because one of the guys wanted to close his Burger King down. One of the franchisees. Had to have the Whopper. Down with the king, huh? Exactly. They couldn't have it their way. But a Ooh, very good. Yeah, see? <laughs> Steven, you didn't laugh at that. What the heck, dude? <laughs> that was a good one. <laughs> okay. Mike, is there an issue burning in your heart? <laughs> No, not not really. Um, I, to stick to the to, to the COVID theme a little bit, 
Um, I don't know if you guys realize this, but I'm sure you do, Steve, that New York City still has this crazy vaccine mandate in place. And with baseball about to start, apparently some of the baseball players on the Yankees, on the Mets, if they haven't been vaccinated, might not be able to play play ball in Flushing and in the Bronx. And one of them, I think, is Aaron, Aaron Judge, the star on the Yankees. I mean, it, it's just... It's just mind-boggling at this point how, how ridiculous and stupid it is. We've got massive spikes of infections and cases in places where the entire popula- population has been vaccinated. I think some of them are Hong Kong, I think, is one. Um, you know, get, get back to the whole heart of it, which is the vaccine doesn't work. It doesn't stop the spread. It doesn't stop you from getting sick. You still might die. Um, you know, we've got mandates being lifted throughout the country, but yet... In New York City, we might not be able to have certain ballplayers play. Okay, well, I think it's much crazier than that. Was the Kyrie Irving business? Yes, he couldn't and play in the game, but he could sit in the stands. In the crowd. Yeah, he could sit in the crowd. Now, good on him for doing that. That was awesome. Absolutely, man. just insane. I, I mean, uh, I, I mentioned to you guys too. I mean, I've watched a lot of the March Madness, and most of the crowd, I'd say, I'd say at least eighty percent of the crowd doesn't have a mask. The band sitting there, no mask. The coach, the players, of course, they, nobody has a mask. But for some reason, the cheerleaders all have a mask. And, you know, it just it, it just boggles the mind. Like, it, it makes no sense. There's no rhyme or reason to it. Well, did it make any sense during the women's games? Uh, <laughs> the ESPN announcers, because they're owned by ABC, who's owned by Disney, and everything else, um, had to take a stand against uh, Governor Ron DeSantis and the new don't say gay bill that doesn't have the word mm. gay in it or anything. Did you guys hear that? Yeah, I did. Hear like, that. yeah, I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous that they use their platform during a women's basketball game. These two announcers to sit there and say, we stand with our LGBTQ plus I minus sign community, blah, 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 for something that they have no idea what the heck they're even talking about. Like, what the heck does that have to do with the basketball playoffs? Seriously, man. I don't know. So, People are nuts. I don't know if you guys read it, but there was a story the other day about the New York City vaccine mandate, which is where I thought you were going. And the title of the story is The End of New York City's Vaccine Mandate Has Left Restaurants Fending for Themselves. And I believe the gist of the article is restaurant owners are upset at the government for leaving it to them to be the bad guys without the government backing. And my thought on that was, does this prove its point that it always was the government's mandate and never the restaurants? Or am I just conflating things? I don't well, know I think if they're, oh, I'm sorry, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, I'll, I'll say it. You go first, Mr. Jeffersonian. I was just going to say, I, th- I think if anything, it proves the exact opposite. If they're mad that now they have to be the bad guy, that means that they're willingly enforcing it. So that to me kind of speaks volumes of like, oh, they, they just wanted to have the government there as a scapegoat to say, oh, well, we wouldn't, but you know, they're making us versus now their motives are kind of laid out in the open. That would be my take on that. Yeah. I, my take is similar. My, my take is it shows that, that these business owners have no idea what private property is, have no idea what what um, what it means to, to, to think for themselves, they want to be ordered around by the government. And that was more my point, which isn't exactly the same as what Mr. Jefferson is saying. My point was more like what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, if, if, it, 
a society of people that wants to be ordered around by the government is not going to remain free for very long because the government is going to be is going to pick up that gauntlet and pick up that invitation and order them around just like they want to. It won't be on COVID, but, um, you know, I, I've been saying that things are coming and, you know, I think that we have a financial crisis coming. And I think that I think that these bio labs in Ukraine are going to potentially be the next crisis as well. I wouldn't be surprised if the CIA is right now fomenting plans to blow one or more of them up, blame it on Putin and and have a new virus escape from the blown up remains. You know, so um, I, I don't take I, I don't think that this is an indication that uh, that this is, you know, the, that the, the business owners were heroically resisting and and the um, and the government was forcing it on them. I think it's almost the exact opposite. The, the business owners are showing that they're not real capitalists. They're they're just profiteers trying to make money on the destruction of our society. That's what it shows me. I mean, I'm not quite sure why people want to go into a restaurant that doesn't want them in there without masks, but. Uh, again, there's still, there's still no rhyme or reason to it, because I think even my local library, I don't have to wear the mask now, but if I go to the, to the dentist with my kid or something like that, they want you still to wear a mask. <laughs> Wearing a mask at the dentist drives me about as nuts as anything. It's all nuts. I told the ladies the other day, um, and at this when we were at our breakfast or one of the breakfast, whatever. Um, but I had asked him, I said, is your owners making you guys wear the mask? Or are you just wanting to? And they said, Oh no, he's still making us wear them. And these were the waitresses. I was like, well, they've just lost all my business. I'm not going back. If they're forcing that on you guys, it's way past done. I will not give you another dime. Why don't we ask our, our new our new participant, Michael, what he thinks about all this? Michael. Michael, can you hear us? Yes, I'm here. Can you hear me? Oh, is that Michael? Is that Michael Nash? Yes. Oh gosh, I recognize that voice. What's up, dude? <laughs> no, no, Michael Nash. Uh, my name is Michael Lavoy. I'm a contractor in North Carolina. Oh, man, uh, edge contractor like right now. Um, I, uh, I really, um, I don't like what's going on. I don't see any, uh, anything that's actually being resolved with these masks or anything that's, that's taken place in the United States besides just fear mongering and just seeing who's going to obey and who's not going to obey. The masks don't work. It's proven that it doesn't work. It actually makes us sicker, um, especially with these kids that it doesn't even affect. And it's amazing that we went from 850,000 cases a month to 32,000 cases a month just overnight since this war started. So it's just nothing but their bull crap just, just to let us fall into their own aspect of what we need to listen to, what we need to hear and what we need to obey. It's, it's just driving me nuts. And um, I mean, I hate to say it. I'm part of the, the worst generation that has ever walked foot on this planet uh, because common sense is literally out the door for everybody that uh, has been pretty much born past 85. And it, it's sad because you can get these college kids that, oh, I went to Harvard. I went to Yale. I went to here. I went to there. And 
yet they think that, you know, uh, Trump's son killed a triceratops in Africa and it's, they have no idea. And it's, everything's, it's, it's just a joke what's going on. Everybody's sheep and it's, uh, it's sad and we're just falling into the game. I think we've got to save the Triceratops movement ready to start. I'm impressed somebody can pronounce it. So. Well, another another story from this week, I think, is it's a continuing story of the, the de-dollarization of the world. Uh, you know, various countries, including Russia, or you know, I saw a story today where Russia is starting to demand payment for its natural gas and, and oil in rubles instead of euros, instead of uh, in, in order to try and prop up the value of the ruble. Uh, I saw some some of the petro contracts are they're talking about re uh, you know, selling oil, not in dollars, but in China, in the Chinese currency. Um, I saw a couple of countries. What's that? I, I read about that as well. Yeah. And, and I think that, you know, I've been saying that this, I think the Ukraine war and the inflation that are accompanying it, I think that the sanction and the, and the sanctions that are being put on Russia are really aimed at us. And I think that we're, we are seeing a coordinated attack on the dollar and on the, the world banking system, but particularly the U.S. banking system. And I think it's going to come to a head sooner rather than later. I think it's going to be in the next couple of months. I mean, well, what's a better scenario if you can actually use your own your own war tactics when there's something else going on in another country? What's a better way to be like, okay, let's see if it works on their people. And if it does, then it should work on ours as well. Yeah. Well, the biggest the biggest war in the dollar is coming from within, not from without, though, right? It's from the Fed. No, I think it's coming from all over because the dollar is the reserve currency. What that means is that foreigners are willing to hold dollars mm -hmm. and when the dollar is no longer the the world's reserve currency foreigners are no longer going to be willing to hold those dollars so what are they going to do they're going to send them back to the u.s they're going to say we don't want dollars anymore we want gold we want euros we want chinese yuan we want something else and if we if you think we have inflation problems now if you think that we've got a, an attack on the dollar right now just wait until foreigners start repatriating their dollars and saying, you know what, the dollar is no longer the world's reserve currency. It's, and, it's, and it's not going to happen in a day or, or on a particular press conference. It's just going to happen gradually. And then suddenly when as foreigners continue to repatriate their dollars and, and every dollar that gets repatriated leads, leads to a further increase in inflation here. And, and that's coming. I mean, the, the Biden administration admitted this week that inflation is going to be very high for at least a year. So I think they know it's coming. They don't I know mean, what I'd to be do shocked. If it were only a year, I'd be, I'd be shocked and happy. I heard no one of them said three years, but I'm not sure who that was. I don't think we can last that long with, with sustain, high, sustained high inflation. I think the dollar is going to collapse. I don't think the dollar can sustain that level of pressure for three years. I don't, I, I don't think it can sustain that level of pressure for more than a couple of months. 
So, Ed, I have a follow-up question to that. Have you been seeing the articles talking about banks don't really need the excess capital, so so they're not going to raise their rates even though consumer rates are going up? That banks don't need what capital? They, they don't need the excess capital. So, basically, they don't need the reserves now. They're, they're saying they're too flush with cash because of all the printing. So, I think that's going to greatly exacerbate the inflation problem because banks, when they raise their depositor rates, obviously they act as an incentive to kind of siphon money out of circulation. If that check is not there, how much worse is it going to be, do you think? Well, why do you think that raising rates, what, what's your hypothesis, that they're going to raise rates or not raise rates? No, no. Banks are openly saying, they're, they're saying, look, we're, we're too flush with cash from all the stimulus money. We are not going to raise CD rates. We're not going to raise depositor rates like savings accounts, all that stuff. So if they're not going to give people an incentive to take money out of circulation and kind of function as, as a quasi branch of government to that extent, how much worse do you think that's going to make the inflation problem? I think it's going to make it a lot worse because people are just going to spend it as soon as they get it and increase the velocity. Right. Well, exactly. Sure. It's going to, it's going to increase the velocity of, of spending. Uh, but what about on the flip side? I mean, are they going to, are the banks going to just sit by and, and watch these ridiculous moronic 25 and 50 basis point increases from the Fed while inflation goes from, I mean, right now it's at 7.9%. You know, if you ask Peter Schiff, it's more like 15 or 20%. I mean, banks are going to lose a lot of money if they don't raise their rate, rates independent of the Fed. Uh, what, what happens when there's a gigantic spread like that between borrowing rates and, and, and saving rates? Uh, I'm not sure, but, um, you know, it's probably, I don't know. I mean, that's, that's part of the crisis that I see coming because as, as rates go through the roof, lending is going to come to a halt. No one's going to want to borrow money. And borrowing money and expanding credit is, is the Ponzi scheme that we're living through. And when the borrowing stops, everything else is going to stop. That's kind of how I see it coming. Yeah, if I may say ahead. something. Oh, sorry. Oh, go ahead, Michael. If I may say something, and I totally agree with you, because if anybody that can't see what's going on, this, was, this has been like a scheme going on for decades. And everything, inflation's been going up. Everything's been going up here and there. It'll go down, it'll, it'll go up a dollar or two and then come down 30 cents. Go up another dollar, come down 30 cents. So it, it's like me as a contractor, two years ago, a two by four was $2 and 30 cents. Now it's $8. And then I go to the, uh, I go to the department store and somebody's like, oh man, it went down 60 cents. That, and they're so happy about it. But yet it's not what it used to be. And this is the same scheme it's it's everything that just keeps on playing and playing and playing just to crash the dollar because one especially with the uh, cryptocurrency or anything what they're trying to go to the uh, digital dollar is one crypto a lot of cryptocurrency especially uh um uh, bitcoin they really can't track because it can be mined and everything like that and they want their money everything's about money it's nothing about greed it's just about it's it's all about greed and just money 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 and they can't tax it they can't find it so uh, why not be able to go interlock you get get you tied into this to where you are literally tracked on every single thing that you do and there's no way out of it our money that we've been spending our dollar hasn't been we don't even have enough gold to even cover our our money that we're printing we're printing it at such a fast rate like it's pretty much just paper like it's literally notebook paper and it's sad. 
because yep. a lot of people don't realize it, a lot of people don't see it, and it's it's getting pathetic to the point where it's literally brainwashing so many people. They're like, "Oh man, I have this." It's 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 a sad aspect, but a lot of people need to wake up because it's going to come crashing down, and it's going to be a very very and it's going to be uh, it's not going to be a recession like me and my wife had a big argument about this she's like oh my god we're going to go on another, another recession I was like no this is going to be a depression and there's a major major difference between both yes sorry and, for interrupting you there well that's okay I mean and, and you know related to what you're saying you know a, a, another couple of stories that came out this week dealt with the increasing food shortages that are coming and you know, Russia is no longer selling fertilizer or producing fertilizer. Uh, a lot of countries are, are having their herds culled. Uh, food production is down. The supply lines are being stopped up. Um, prices for commodities, to the extent that they, the commodities get through, are going through the roof. We're looking at food shortages coming probably this year or, or, or you know, or this summer or later in the year. And that, that says depression to me too, Michael. I think that's a a wise and insightful point. So who's going to oh, plant yeah. the garden I, I and get a chicken? I see it about December. What's that, Gina? I said, so who's going to start planting a garden and get some chickens? I already got them. I have to. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm being I was talking to my son about that earlier. Yeah. We were listening to um, the wheat. Wheat is something that is in everything we eat. Wheat and corn. Wheat and corn all comes from Ukraine area. And uh, that's our pasta, that's bread, that's baked. I mean, anything and everything has wheat in it. Wow. So yeah, our, our shelves will be barer than they are already. I mean, we still have issues right now just in the grocery store, whether it's frozen like chicken tenders or French, fr whatever, that, you know, unless it's made locally, there's still just a lack in just the stores. It's ridiculous. It sounds like everybody's going to have to do keto. Mm, yeah, there you go. It might be good. Uh, and in all seriousness, I mean, I'm, I'm really almost ready to go to the wholesale club and just buy the place out. And yeah. Stock up on whatever. Well, I think that that's one of the biggest problems is, too, is a lot of people uh, with how everything goes, people start panicking and they buy up all the, the butt they paper. They buy up all the toilet And they paper, buy yeah. everything. They buy up everything. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it just it's. And that's what's been put in our mindset is like, oh, crap, something bad's going to happen. We got to go. We, I mean, it's like in North Carolina. I mean, we, we'll get an inch of snow and everybody buys all the bread and milk. What do you what do you make with just bread and milk? No cream. They vanilla. make snow There's cream. Cinnamon. You're not making French snow. Oh, bowl. <laughs> what is snow cream? I don't even know. That's that insane. A question. But I've heard of that. Yes, I have. <laughs> if if there really is the. Um, takeover of Congress, the beginning of next year that they're talking about, does that have any effect on slowing any of this down? No, no, no. It doesn't have anything to slow. It doesn't slow down in the inflation, which will be completely out of control by January third of next year when the new Congress gets sworn in. Um, but even when they get sworn in, they don't control the Fed. They don't control. They, they don't control anything other than the, the House and Senate. They don't control any of the executive agencies, which Biden is going to control. I mean, they don't even control spending anymore. Right. Yeah, no, I mean, unless the Fed takes 
logical <laughs> action to address the inflation. It's not going to happen. And they're there not going to. There's no logical action they can take. Not, what action could they take? To start raising rates. Okay. Right now we have a $30 trillion. US I, un- I, under- I understand that the, the sort of catch 22. I, I get And it. not just the federal government, but I mean, what about private borrowers? What happens to private borrowers when interest rates go from 4% to 10%? I mean, how many people are going to default? I mean, the, the Fed is boxed in. The Fed, the Fed has put itself in a corner where there's nothing they can do right now other than See, and that's the thing. It's not that there's nothing they can do. I think this is what they wanted all along. It's been an attack on the dollar. And it's just we were that strong of a country and the dollar was that strong of an economic unit that it took this long. But we're now at the end game. That's what I think. Well, again, that's what I was saying before. We're, there's an attack on the dollar from within, not just externally. Right. It's both. Yeah. <laughs> it's, being atta- it's being attacked on both on two fronts. Is this the Great Reset? Well, that's what Biden said. Yes, we're going to the one world order, don't you know? Yeah. He literally said that the other day. I don't know if you guys caught that. Yes. Slip up. He yeah, sure he did literally say it. said that. He said from 1900 to 1946, we went to a one world liberty, and then now we're going to a one world order. And he, he hopes, literally said and that. And he the hopes other that, day. He will, that the United States will lead that. Right. Yeah. Him and his. Speaker of the House, it looks like she's chewing on a box of quarters. It, it's just, uh, they're all, I don't, I don't understand this country anymore. I really don't. Hey, Ed, I got a question. Because you always follow Evergrande, so I just wanted to see what your take was on this uh, seizure of the $2.1 billion. Uh, I actually missed that. What was, what was seized? $2.1 billion of cash assets. Who seized it and where? Oh, goodness. Let me go find an article. Pull, it should be... Let me go to Yahoo Finance. And I will tell you. I mean, I think that... I'll just say generally that China is facing severe economic stresses as, as well. Um, they're not... They printed even more money than we did. At least... Well, I haven't checked in the last year or two. We've gone completely out of control with the money printing in the last... During covid but um, they had a, a gigantic bubble in their financial in, in their um, housing sector, and that's why Evergrande is sort of the canary in the coal mine for them. But um, they're, they're facing trouble too. Here, let me read this to you real quick. This is from Bloomberg. Investors in China Evergrande Group are still in the dark over just how $2.1 billion worth of deposits at its property services unit came to be used as security for pledge guarantees and seized by banks. So it doesn't really give more than that, honestly. Well, let me translate that for you. The banks are run by the Communist Party. And the Communist Party said, we're not going to be the ones stuck with the bill on this. We're going to make the we'll make all the investors pay for it. There's no real property rights. There's no bankruptcy law like they have here where you have an orderly liquidation of a failed business. The Communist Party said, we're going to make ourselves whole and the rest of you go piss off. That's what that means. Good analogy. Thank you, sir. It's been a very, very upbeat show. I'm, I'm just leaving here feeling much better about <laughs> world peace is around the corner steve don't worry about it. what's that world peace is it's right around the corner don't worry 
Yeah. Well, is it so? Is Taiwan um, next with world peace? Is Taiwan next? Yes, exactly. I think Taiwan is next unless the Russia-Ukraine war goes the other way and Russia starts to collapse. If Russia collapses, I expect China to try and go into the Russian Far East and take that over first. Uh, unless the Israelis feel they have no choice but to do something about Iran, Iran before they get the bomb. Oh, this world is crazy. I'm not sure that Israel is, is, has the confidence to do 100% that. 100% amen on that one. I don't know. Well, Israel, I mean, Ukraine, Russia, Iran, rectangle, I guess it is, is in the axis of evil, Stephen. I can tell you that there are some Israelis supposedly in the know who say they can do considerable damage, whether it's through actually being on site, through spies, through mm -hmm. software, whatever. They're confident they can do some things. I don't know what they'll do without America's permission. How confident are you in Israeli intelligence to know what the Iranians have going on and how close uh, they are? Very. Better, better than us, I'm sure, right? That's just my personal belief. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I, do, you, do you think that they will act if they have to? Um, part of me says yes. Part of me says Israelis do nothing without permission from the American government. Yeah going to be really, really hard to get. And Israeli politics is so complicated with Netanyahu out, and he's the only one with half a brain, even though he doesn't believe what he says. It's really, really difficult to predict. It's 4D chess, and I have no idea. The problem is there will be a deadline beyond which they can't do anything, the way I understand it. Right. Well, you asked me before, is there one thing that was kind of bugging me a bit. Uh, there was some news this week about the Biden administration and trying to forge a no, new Iranian deal. What's interesting is even a lot of Democrats balked at that and been telling them to stop it because of everything else that's going on with, with Russia and Ukraine right now. Just the whole look of it from a PR point of view is not good. But I mean, clearly the Biden administration is was trying to do what the Obama administration had done before when it came to the Iran deal. And uh, I don't see that as anything but total capitulation, just allowing them to buy whatever time that they need to get the bomb. And I think I mentioned even on the podcast before, I mean, not to, you know, you know, play down what's happening in U Ukraine and with Russia, and obviously something could go really wrong there. I, I worry a great deal, maybe even more about the Iranians getting getting nukes, because to me, they're great. They're crazier than Putin. They're crazier than the Chinese. I think the, the Chinese want to, uh, you know, I think they, they want to be seen as the world's leader. Uh, I don't know that they want war. I think economically they want to be a powerhouse. But I think when you're talking about the mullahs in Iran, I, I just think they're totally insane. And I don't know what the hell they'll do. If, they're shielded by having the bomb. I agree with you. Um, when there's religion involved, there are a lot less uh, barriers to doing ridiculous, you know, unpredictable, horrible things. Right. You know, right. Yeah. I, I, mean, used, I probably told you this. I used to live in Northeast Jerusalem and probably five to 10 miles away from the old city. And I always told myself I'm in the safest place in the entire world because no Arab will ever bomb the old city of Jerusalem. That's where all their holy places are. And then someone told me, you are really stupid. They have no problem killing every Arab in Israel, blowing up all of their holy places. And that to me was a big wake up moment. So yeah, what Iran would do, what wouldn't they do? 
Right. And at a minimum, it totally gives them free reign to export terror everywhere. Not that they're not doing it already, but there'll be no there'll be no recourse. No balance at all. Other than which is the other fear that's out there in the ether is because of Ukraine or more countries going to try and get nukes. Um, if I'm any country that's ever relied on America, I'd be wanting to get some kind of nukes. You got Russia saying out there, we're not against using them if our backs against the, are against the wall, which I thought is the point of having nukes, by the way. I assume we have them because we'd use them if our backs were against the wall. But yeah, it's, it's not going to a good place. And Biden wants them nuked up like Obama did. That's absolutely crazy. Now, from what I'm hearing, I mean, no better than what anybody else is hearing, is that Ukraine is not doing all that badly stopping Russia from really advancing. My take on that is that it's propaganda and that the Russians, the, the Russians are not, the Russians are being more measured in their response than they're being given credit for. They're being portrayed in the news as, you know, raping and pillaging and, you know, this, this generation's version of Attila the Hun or, or Hitler, but in fact, they're not. And uh, in fact, the, to the extent that they've, they've hit some hospitals, it's because Zelensky has put uh, military targets within, within, uh, within uh, short distance of those hospitals. So I don't think that's the case. I think that the Russians are making slow but certain uh, movements towards victory. Um, I, I, that's that's my take on it. I think it's propaganda that that the Ukrainians are fighting heroically. It's designed to try and maintain support for the war here. You know, we just sent them fourteen billion dollars. Why? I don't know. Um, you know, we don't have fourteen billion dollars sitting around, and if we do, I'd certainly like to get in line for some of it. But um, I, I think it's propaganda, Steve. I don't think it's true. Mm-hmm. Well, the reason oh. to leave it partially, at least, is. It's really, really hard occupying a country that hates you. And I don't see their being there for a long time is, can end well for them. I don't think all of Ukraine hates the Russians. Some of it does, but not all of it. It's the west of Ukraine detests the Russians. It's not the east. And I just don't see Kiev in those places. I don't see how Russia can win. Mariupol maybe. Why, what makes you think that Putin's intention was ever to occupy the country? I mean, to me, that's part of the propaganda. I think that their intention was to neutralize the country, get rid of the Zelensky government and and prevent them from ever joining NATO and go home. That's what I think their goal was. I think I think they're already resigned to not joining NATO. Of course, it's all ridiculous because what right. most you get is a promise. So who cares? But I, I wanna... And you know what? I'll let you speak in a second, Gina. But just to finish to respond to that, Steve, I think that the only people who want the war to continue are the Americans. I think both sides are willing to negotiate a peace right now based on that. I think I think the war is going to end in a couple of weeks. But again, I have no great reason for believing that. What were you going to say, Gina? I just want to share something um, that a friend of mine sent to me. Um, and she was ser- searching out for me for asking for prayer. And her son is or was is whatever you want to say, uh, Green Beret and was with all kinds of special forces. So he's actually over there right now. Um, and she doesn't have any more communication, but once he did arrive, um, he did send a message, um, before he was required to get rid of his phone, 
uh, or not be able to use his phone. So what he had said was since his arrival, so this was from Saturday of this week, since his arrival, there is news that the Ukrainian military is capturing outsiders and sending them to the front lines to fight the Russians. The Ukrainian military is killing its own people and making it look like Russia so that people will fight against Russia. Then she says, I don't know what's true. All I know is my son is in a bleak situation. So anyway, um, I I don't know what part of that is true. Um, That's just what he's been told now that he's over there, you know, and she has no reason to lie about it. She just is stating exactly what he said. So I think there's a lot going on that's propaganda, and I I don't know what to believe anymore. I actually have heard the same thing um, about when they were releasing all all the weapons to civilians, that um, there were a lot of uh, actual uh, criminals getting weapons as well, and there's a lot of rape, uh, a lot of uh, home invasions happening. Um, uh, There's a lot of chaos happening over there just because they gave everybody weapons. Uh, just to help with this this war but the only thing that sickens me is why do we have to have our nose in everybody's business all the time like we're the big brother all the time sometimes we just need to sit out and take care of our own country and this is what drives me nuts we have thousands of thousands of veterans that are homeless and people that can't even survive but yet we're sending billions of dollars we have biden even saying that you're not going to get the billions of dollars if you don't you don't fire the prosecutor against his son and it happens ukraine is nothing but a cesspool and it's it's just it drives me it it drives me nuts what's going on it's just everything that we hear is what we're devoted on talking about instead of just actually what's going on the front line meaning our own our own country our own land the land that we walk on and it's it's just it's sickening to me well, you just mentioned Hunter. Um, so New York Times is finally saying, hey, the laptop is real. Um, do you guys think anything's going to come out of that? I know they have talks out or the word is out that the DOJ has indictments that are going to be coming forth against Hunter. Um, has anybody been keeping up with that? I think that's part of the dump Joe Biden. Yeah. Movement. That's what I think. It, it was just time, huh? Well, and I think that that's why the FBI didn't act earlier. I think that they were just sitting on this information and waiting for the right time. And when the time comes, we'll get rid of them. I think I don't I think this has been part of the plan for a long time. I don't think this is something that, oh, you know, they, they just decided, you know, this weekend or in the last couple of weeks, oh, Biden is 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 too far gone. We got to get rid of him. I think it was always the plan. This was how we're going to get rid of him. Hunter is going to be our ace in the hole. Ed, we're kind of late, but is there a quick answer to who is we? The, 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 the leaders of the Democrat Party and the people that are that are pulling the strings on the Democrat Party, the large donors like George Soros and uh, Bill Gates. Uh, I think it's the people that are that are trying to do the Great Reset and and create a new world order. I think it's those people. Wow. What used to be tinfoil hat? <laughs> I know. <laughs> pretty scary all right folks i've got i've got a whole bunch of them in my closet now <laughs> I, i'm not going to ask if they have liberty block look i'm right there i'm going to give everybody a minute to talk about what they didn't get to talk about before we wrap up so on the top of my screen is mr jeffersonian i'll go down my screen 
All right. Thank you, Reba. So I actually, I, I was really looking forward to discussing the Christian mission case that's about to, or that has been taking place in Seattle and that the Supreme Court thus far has refused to hear. I think that case is a very interesting highlight of the problem with judicial incorporation. And I think the only right answer is for the Supreme Court to say, we don't have authority to hear this. Ed, are you following the case? Um, I am following it. Why do you think that they don't have jurisdiction to hear it, Mr. Jeffersonian? Because it already went through Washington state courts and Washington state government is only subject to Washington state constitution. The general government has no dog in that fight. It's an internal affair. Well, have you read the 14th Amendment? The 14th Amendment, I mean, I think I think the 14th Amendment has some uh I think that there are some problems with it. And, it, and I think whether it's through the incorporation doctrine or just the text of the amendment itself, it clearly intends to subordinate the states to the federal constitution. Um, whether it was necessary in light of the 13th Amendment banning slavery is, is a subject I like to argue about. Um, and I think it's a, a worthwhile discussion. But I think the 14th Amendment makes it pretty clear that no, you know, no state shall you know, do a certain a whole bunch of things. And um, so I don't understand why you don't think that there's jurisdiction for the court to hear it. Maybe the 14th Amendment is unwise and should be amended itself or, or even repealed if you want to make that argument. But I don't think that they lack jurisdiction. I'm going to counter that with the slaughterhouse cases. There, there are certain things that the original interpretation of that amendment still said were out of bounds and were solely matters of the state. So my issue with this is that, let's say if the Supreme Court does hear it. Now, right now, conservatives at least ostensibly have a majority on the court. But what happens if they vote the other way? What, what happens if we have some flip-flops on there? Then you're going to nationalize this issue that, as of right now, is only a local issue to the state of Washington and specifically the city of Seattle. So if you have a surprise on the court, you're going to get a bad outcome across the board versus right now we can keep it contained. And if we go with original intent, even in the debates of the 14th Amendment, they said, look, this is only for specified things, primarily protecting the civil rights of African-Americans. And then, like I said, with the slaughterhouse cases, that interpretation was upheld. I realize it's been changed since then, but that, those are only legal opinions and the states have a right to nullify it. Well, two things. First of all, I think that the whole point of the 14th Amendment actually does federalize a lot of issues. And in that sense, it's sort of inconsistent with the 10th Amendment. Um, but um, I, I think it's I think that was unwise, but I don't think that the court, the Supreme Court or the federal courts lack jurisdiction. Um, you know, I agree that, that it's wrong. It's a mistake to federalize those issues. But I think that's what the, the Constitution says right now. Okay, we're going to have to uh, bring this argument back because this is a fundamental one that I personally would like to learn something about since I know so little about it, but not for the end of the day. And hopefully we'll, we'll come back to it. Jeannie, you're next on my uh, list of squares. Um, well, I guess I would just like to talk about what a loser Bob Chapek is um, and Disney. He's oh. the CEO of Disney. So he's a coward. Um, and that's almost he's he's a coward and he needs to take the L because he's um, <laughs> bowed to the woke mob once again um, and his LGBTQ plus whatever um, employees, you know, the group of maybe 100 of all the Disney employees that walked out with their rainbow Mickey buttons and crap 
And um, so now Disney vows to be more LGBTQ friendly. Um, and it's just sickening. It's sickening. I'm, I've been done with Disney for years upon years. Um, but I hope people are starting to wake the heck up, especially parents. If you have anything to do with Disney or ESPN or ABC or any of their subsidiaries, get the heck rid of it, man. People are nuts. That's all I got. It was more of a rant. Sorry, but he's my loser of the week. We like rants. Say it again. I'm sorry. I said we like rants. Yes. Yes. Where's laser when we need it? Right. <laughs> oh, but, but I want to tell you, so I shared a picture earlier. Let me tell you about this gentleman. Okay. So they did an interview with a gentleman. Um, he was one of the employees that were part of the walkout. And I took a screenshot of it. So he's got a baseball cap on that says, Hail Queers, Worship Satan, and Raise Hell. So that's who's infiltrated Disney. That is who is helping to create content for children or what? I mean, God, it's the devil's playground. Like, literally. Literally. Mike? I think we went over everything that I, I had on my agenda for today, so. I will yield the, yield the floor. I believe that Laser and Alu will be co-hosting Free Talk Live tonight in New Hampshire. Um, I think he put out some of the information on that. And that could be quite interesting. But go ahead. Uh, well, I got uh, two things. We've sort of alluded to both of them, but I'll, I'll just sort of formalize them. Uh, I, I think the whole Leah Thomas situation is, I, I don't know if people are, are recognizing just how, how evil it is, but... Um, I liked what DeSantis did uh, in recognizing the, the girl swimmer. Uh, and what I would really like to see some, you know, I know his career is over as a college swimmer, but if he continues to compete, I don't know if he's going to try and go for the Olympics. Uh, but I, I think it would be great if all the women that are in line with him just stood on their platform and let him swim in the pool by himself and let him just, you know, if, if he wants to swim in that race, he should just swim unopposed. I think pretending like it's a fair fight, pretending like it's a fair race is, is part of the problem. And, and when women stand up and, and do, you know, and, and, and refuse to, to, uh, to pretend that, that, that this is a, re a reasonable thing to do, that's when it'll stop. Uh, it's, you know, women need to stand up and say no. Um, well, I and, think with San DeSantis doing that, because like when they had put out letters on, on an, what was the word? Anonymous letters, I'm so sorry anonymous letters they were afraid about losing their scholarships and whatnot and i think now that desantis has kind of given them a backbone especially with this last race i mean social media has blown up circling you know who's the real winner or whatever you know but with desantis doing this and pushing that forward i think this is going to give them that courage to go and do it you know i mean what was it time magazine or whatever it was named um oh crap what's the dude Levine. with the huh Levine. Rachel Levine, Levine, woman of or one of the women of the year. Are you kidding me? Like, if you don't have a chance of getting <laughs> ovarian cancer, you're not a flipping woman. Get the heck up out of here, dude. Like, yeah, dude, because he's a dude. God, he's an ugly dude and woman. Jesus, these people are crazy. Help us. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. And the, the, the second thing was was also DeSantis. And not just that he's giving those those girls backbone. I, I think he's really leading the way. And he's leading the way in, in a way that Trump never did and, and still isn't. Um, you know, he's 
on all the issues that matter, DeSantis is willing to stand up, speak, and, and say the right things. Trump is, is, even now, I mean, to me, I think the Russia-Ukraine war is actually one of the, the defining moments of our time right now because our government is lying to us. And there's, you know, the COVID, the COVID emergency restrictions are, are starting to wane away. And they need a new emergency to extend their emergency powers. And war is has always been a perfect pretext for the government to extend emergency powers. Um, and, and Trump, if anything, the few comments he's made seem to be on the side of Ukraine and seem to be on the side of further American escalation and involvement. And, I, you know, DeSantis, I don't think, has said anything one way or the other on it, on that issue. Uh, but just he, he has spoken up on on lots of issues and he's always on the right side when he speaks up and he speaks forcefully and he's just solidifying in my mind that he's the real leader of the republican party not trump yeah i pity him when they start taking him down <laughs> and i agree he's he's the winner of the week almost every week okay folks we're going to wrap it up for today as always, please send feedback on the show to the Conservatarian Exchange at libertyblock.com. We'll be up within about an hour as a podcast, anywhere you like listening to podcasts. Thank everyone for being part of this tonight, and I wish everyone a good evening.